You are Locked On Indians, your daily Cleveland Indians podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. As it said at the start, this is Locked On Indians. I am your host, Jeff Ellis. Since it's the Monday show, we are going to take a look at all three games from this weekend, talk about some of the transactions the Indians made, and from there we will then go on to looking at the White Sox, who are the upcoming opponent for the Indians. On the whole, not a bad weekend. If you're a Tribe fan, taking two out of three is something that you'll take in any series. The Mariners had come in, losers of five in a row, but they still have one of the most powerful offenses in baseball. Their 65 home runs are first by a significant margin over anybody else in the American League. When I flip over to the stats page for them, you know, no one else. I see 54 with Houston and 50 with the Yankees. So Seattle's just murdering the ball in terms of power. They lead the league in runs. They're first at 194. Texas is second at 179. So this is a team that, uh, while struggling, a lot of that is due to their pitching more than anything else. So they started out the first game of the series with a 2-1 to win. Uh, Shane Bieber was fantastic, gave up the one home run. Uh, Kikachi for uh, Seattle. The Indians were uh, were the medicine for him. He had been struggling and scuffling of late, but they just could not get anything together against him. Managed just four hits in the game. Uh, for as much as I have ragged on uh, Naquin this year, he does come up with the big hit and put them over the top. The other performances that stood out is, you know, Luplo is continuing to, to in this second chance up here, do pretty well. Uh, statistically, Santana is just phenomenal. But, uh, you know, Oliver Perez, again, fails in his job, comes in, walks the one batter he faces. Uh, Adam Simber is all right, and Brad Hand is fantastic. You'll take the win. It's a tight one. Probably shouldn't have been that tight. Uh, Bieber was the is the better pitcher of, between the two of them, but uh, the Indians' offense is uh, atrocious. I mean, this is what we're all used to at this point this year. Next game, five to four, uh, not Carrasco's best game, not his worst game either. Uh, the four solo shots, I do question keeping him in as long as they did again. That has been one of my big questions with the. Uh, for some reason this year, uh, Tito does not want to go to the pen, trust the pen, use the pen. And when he does, he doesn't use it properly. So it's uh, it's a bit of a headache. Santana, of course, hits the, uh, the game winner, basically. And, you know, he has the strong performance in that game. Jake Bowers continues to, to be one of the better hitters on the Indians. And they're able to get away with uh, another victory. Now, the Sunday game is the one I'll spend the most time on. This was the loss. I had tweeted out on Friday that, of course, they're going to go with Cody Anderson because that is the thing that made the least amount of sense. That's your worst chance to be successful. Your lowest chance to win a game is to put Cody Anderson out there of all the starters. Cody Anderson last pitched more than three innings in a baseball game May 23rd of 2016. So you're going to bring him into this situation three years removed from anything resembling a start put him against a team that has been uh the best team in baseball in terms of run production 
And, you know, I think we could have all predicted that he was going to get bombed, which he did. He didn't even go a full inning. Then you have to go into your pen, and it's, you know, Edwards didn't pitch well. Olsen didn't pitch well. Otero didn't pitch well. Perez had actually one of his better performances of the year. Clippard was solid. Neil Ramirez pitched well. Kevin P. had to come in and pitch. Uh, Kevin P. who had been very high on all, uh, you know, last week. He uh, he had a rough series. He got a lot of opportunities, and he had been one of the Indians' better hitters, but it just wasn't here for him in this series. Uh, the rest of the team, you know, Jose Ramirez managed the only two hits of the day off of a pitcher who had an ERA, I believe, approaching six entering the game. A really ineffective pitcher made the Indians look foolish all day. Now, part of this is just the way this roster is con- uh, constructed. You know, Lindor is still getting his feet under him. Kipnis is a corpse. Uh, Jose Ramirez shows signs of life, and then he falls back. I mean, here we are uh, five days into May. He goes two for three today with a walk, a really good day, but he's just hitting 200 now. Santana, not his best day, but you can't really complain about him. Carlos Gonzalez is starting to slip back in, which, again, not a huge surprise. I think anyone who saw his splits a year ago is not expecting him to be the long-term DH. Um, The Indians just keep trying warm bodies and seeing if anyone actually has any life left in them. Bowers is what he is, uh, but at least he's being somewhat productive. Luplo, being your starting center fielder and facing a right-hander, is not what you want him to do. Uh, I understand Martin had some back tightness, which um, I don't want to say it'd be a hidden blessing because he has been the Indians' second-best hitter this year. But if there's an upside to that conceivable injury, it means that they'll probably have to call up Oscar Mercado, who's done everything he can between spring training and, you know, I don't care about spring training, but it is nice to see a positive performance there and continuing to hit in the minors to earn himself a shot up here if uh, Martin might miss some time. So it's, you know, it's a loss. The Indians go to 18 and 14. Uh, Cody Anderson was a great tweet. I love MLB quality pitch and it's QOP baseball. Uh, at QOP Baseball, and it's just Indians, Cody Anderson, pitch quality. Unfortunately, just not the same pitcher post-Tommy John. His pitch quality in 2016, and that's the other thing. Like, this isn't your typical Tommy John. You know, a guy might miss some time, but you're not seeing him take three years to get back out there. It's a very unusual situation. So it takes that far back. His quality pitch in 2016 was a 5.58. It's down to a 4.72. That probably doesn't mean much to most people. But in 2016, his velocity was a top 25% of baseball. This year, it's been in the bottom 43%. His location, top 9%. Now it's the bottom 12%. And it's just one of those things, again, where he's a almost like a two-pitch guy. He relied so much on his ability to spot that fastball. And for it to be... A pitch that, I mean, he was starting to get up there mid-high 90s before his injury. And he's just not there. Uh, When it takes this long to get back to the majors, that's a sign that there is other issues arising. And going to him is just a a move that made no sense at the time. And it makes even less sense right now. 
after his performance. We'll see what they choose to do, but you can't make him your fifth starter. You just can't. They have to find something else that'll work. But, you know, I knowing Tito, he's going to foolishly stick to and insist on sticking to Anderson because it's a guy he knows who has that starting experience. But it's almost like setting yourself up for a loss every fifth day if they continue to try to do this. Now, the Indians made some other moves over the weekend. They designated Max Moorhoff for assignment. This, based on his performance, is not a shock. But what's interesting is he'll likely pass through waivers and end up in AAA. He'll still be on the 40-man roster. Uh, But they chose to designate him over Mike Freeman. Now, Mike Freeman really doesn't have a track record of success in the majors either. And here's a guy they signed off the scrap heap, whereas Moorhoff was someone that they valued enough to get in a trade along with Luplo. Now, Luplo has started to show some value, but that deal, you know, it, it was kind of the Indians trying to do what they used to do, where they would uh, look like geniuses from ev- almost every single trade. And, uh, you know, it's like Luplo will be this really good platoon bat. He'll be a better Brandon Geyer. We'll get Moorhoff, and he's going to be this useful utility bat. At the end of the day, that deal looks like a massive bust right now just because I'd still rather have Egon than Morhoff. Um, I think Egon would have been a better alternative to Freeman and Stamets and Miller. And this is our, you know, the third middle infielder that they have taken off this roster so far this year. And then that doesn't even include Tajane Thomas, who was a, a recent pitching convert, who was just off the top 10 when I wrote up on the Pirates and one of those guys that could be like I don't want to give a Chris Archer comp but it could be one of those things in a few years down the line where he was this guy in rookie ball who had a lot of potential and they sold maybe too soon on again he's not Chris Archer that comp I'm not giving a comp I'm just comparing the situation but that's one of those trades that you know when you look at a lot of their moves you look at that deal you look at the, the deal they made with Toronto the deal they made with San Diego Almost all of these deals were busts. They tried to do these buy low. We're going to trade someone in rookie rookie ball who's far away with ceiling to get someone who could help us now. Well, those teams are all trying to contend for the most part. You look at the Mets. uh, At least the Kevin P deal has kind of worked out. But all those other deals, they bought low on assets that were on the fringe of the 40-man. The teams didn't want to risk losing in the uh, Rule 5 draft. And there's a reason why they were... 40-man fringes and not on the 25-man rosters of these teams. Uh, the Indians had some slight concern they might lose Morhoff. I don't think they had anything to worry about, but they sent some cash to the Twins to trade for Adam Rosales, who was with the team a year ago, 35-year-old middle infielder. If they did lose Morhoff, he would be kind of filling in that role down the line for them as well. And at the rate they're going to middle infielders, I would not be shocked if Freeman continues to bomb, if he is gone at some point and Rosales is up, is they're just going to keep throwing stuff at a wall and seeing what sticks. Um, they brought back up John Edwards, didn't have a strong performance today. I know earlier on in the podcast, uh, first few weeks, I was impressed with him. Then I dove into the numbers and realized he had been more lucky than good. And uh, some of that came home to roost today. So that's the series. Uh, kind of a negative turn. It just It's hard to be positive about the Indians when their offense is this bad. Like, it's not just... I mean, this is a team with a 215 average, a 299 on base as a team, a 346 slugging. Uh, only the Detroit Tigers are worse. 
Um, and they are significantly lower in most statistical categories behind Toronto, who's the third worst offense. And Toronto has gone out of its way to trade just about anyone of value. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, Baltimore at least has some big names in there. Uh, Tampa's offense is a little down in run production. And number 10 is the White Sox, and that is who the Indians will be facing this week. Now, if you are an Indians fan, the White Sox also have second-worst pitching in the American League. So this might be a chance for the offense to get going. They are going to face the White Sox and a very weak pitching team in four games. You got Ivan Nova, Lucas Giolito, Reynaldo Lopez, and Manny Banuelos. Ivan Nova, you know, Yankees and Pirates this year, an ERA north of eight, a whip of 1.79. He has been awful. Uh, he has had one good start, basically, uh, against Cleveland, where he went seven innings and gave up one earned run. He also went six innings against the uh, Yankees, giving up one earned run. Other than that, this is a guy with uh, giving up seven, six, nine, five. So uh, he did uh, beat uh, he, the Indians won that game, but uh, he did give the Indians trouble this year. He is one of it's one of the few times that he's given anyone trouble this year. Lucas Giolito, the former big name prospect, he's never really gotten it together in the majors or the minors. He, uh, he throws really hard, though, and with the Indians being as free swingers as they are, I could see him giving the Indians some problems. I could see him getting a high strikeout total because the Indians, um, I, uh, you know, they may not lead in many offensive categories, but, well, I can't. The ESPN sortable list I'm looking at right now doesn't have strikeouts. I'm pretty sure if it did, uh, the Indians would lead in strikeouts. That's They are on a, a near-historic pace from what I remember reading about. So since Giolito does throw hard, um, I think the Indians could be in for a harder performance. That might be a game where uh, they they get a lot of strikeouts. Same deal with Lopez. He can he can bring the heat. His ERA is six point six nine. Didn't have a recent matchup against Cleveland, but he's I mean he's actually been pitching better of late. One could argue his last start was not good, but the three before that were. Solid performances. So we'll have to see. He's a uh, you know another big strikeout guy. Fourteen in a game against Detroit. Again, that's against Detroit, and that's his only double-digit strikeout game. Uh, Manny Benuelos was a top prospect with the Yanks for a while. ERA of five point nine six. So yeah, if you're keeping track at home, all of them have ERAs around six or higher maybe a little bit lower, but he was viewed as a relief. You know, he's supposed to be a, a starter for them, turned into a reliever, never quite worked out, ended up uh, in Chicago, and it really hasn't gone well for him this year. There isn't uh, best start was against Baltimore, went five and two thirds, six strikeouts, three walks, two runs, and that is far and away the best outing. He had a lot of pen work, so, you know, they're trying him as a starter. We'll see how it goes. There used to be a point in time when the Yankees seemed to fix the Yankees, the White Sox seemed to fix every arm like this and turn them into a great pitcher. Esteban Loiza comes to mind. There were others, but uh, it hasn't worked so far this year. Their pitching has just been, um, it's been as bad as the Indians hitting. So we have to see now this week what's going to break. Is Chicago's pitching performance going to improve, or will the Indians' hitting finally start to break out? 
It sets up well for the Indians in the regard that it's Bauer, Rodriguez, Bieber, and Carrasco. It's the arms you want to see. The Indians currently don't have anyone. On Friday, they then start uh, a West Coast trip, and they don't currently have anyone set in that spot for the the Friday game against Oakland, so we'll see if they uh, keep Anderson in there or what they do. They're facing former Akron Zip Chris Bassett there, who has a chance to be the greatest Akron Zip player in the Major League history. So some uh, player with some local ties. But uh, yeah, it's kind of up in the air what they'll do. It'll be interesting to see what decision is made. Anderson is likely sent down after today, probably for relief help since they use so much of their pen. Um, We'll have to wait and see at this point what the next step is for this team. Um, I know the Indians had some video of Clevenger throwing off the mound. He cannot be activated until June, June 6th, I believe. So no matter, even if right now he steps up there and he's like, yeah, I'm feeling great. It's still a month from today where you can see him activated from the disabled list. He could be 100% healthy, but because they moved him to the 60-day DL, which was a way to open up a 40-man roster spot, um, he can't pitch for another month. So we'll have to see how they're going to handle it. I think we very clearly know right now who's the number six pitcher. Rodriguez does make me a bit nervous because there was a reason the Nationals moved him to the pen because he wasn't able to successfully stay a starter. It does feel like you're playing with fire a bit, but when you look at the Indians right now, Lindor missed a lot of time. Kluber is going to miss multiple weeks. Clevenger is going to miss like two months when it's all said and done. And they're still above 500. They have a better record than the Mariners, who, you know, as I was talking about, are having a historic offense. So somehow this team is keeping it together. They're staying competitive. A lot of it is thanks to the fact that, for whatever reason, they have owned the Mariners this year and have already faced them twice. It's going to be interesting to watch. It's a team where the team we see right now in another month could be drastically changed. Uh, They're going to keep trying, guys. I just it feels like if Carlos Gonzalez doesn't work, we'll see who's hitting down in AAA. If at some point maybe a Bobby Bradley is hitting, I'm sure they would be willing to try him. If Yuchu and Chang can get healthy and perform, we maybe see him. I don't think they'll rest on their laurels. I think they felt that, oh, we can run away with this division. I don't think anyone feels that way right now, but I think they did think that. So they thought, we can just try guys out, and that's what they did. They acquired all these guys that were fringy who had never had a long look and thought maybe we can find another Casey Blake maybe we can find another you know player in that mold and it hasn't worked so far but the season is long there's plenty of time I'll take a two out of three weekend anytime so as always thank you for listening you can follow me on twitter at Jeff MLB draft a lot more draft stuff's coming down the vine I'm working on my top 50 which should go out this week um mock draft was a huge success over 100,000 hits on that so thank you and as always thank you for listening and go tribe